Welcome back in, everybody, to uh, Timber Creek Church. So glad to have you. If you're a guest in the house, first time or first time in a long time, so glad to have you. All of our locations, let's welcome our guests today. Glad they're here. You're joining us in. And so where we've left off in this series, the whole idea has been the world keeps on spinning. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. And it moves at 1,037 miles per hour, 35 million heartbeats a year. The truth is none of you get 194 hours and only some other people get 168. Everybody gets 168 hours in the week. And what are we doing with those hours? It just seems to be that usually in January, we, we have a little bit of a reset. We have a little bit of a uh, kind of a uh, <clears throat> relook at some things, consider some stuff. And we started this series saying experience is not the best teacher. We've heard experience is the best teacher, but that's not true. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. And on the very first week of this series, I actually asked the question, how many of you had the best year ever? And there was a few that raised their hands, and, and then others, I said, how many of you had the meh year ever? And there was a few more hands, and then I said, how many of you felt like, man, that's kind of like the worst year ever, to be honest? And it took me back how many people raised their hands in our church services of worst year ever. And I, I, I don't, uh, I don't, question it. I know that many times things can, can weigh on us so heavy. Different people have different experiences. For some of them, I knew that there were those that were raising their hands, their child suddenly died. Those that said goodbye to a loved one after a long, hard fight with cancer. Those that, worst year ever, going through a divorce they didn't expect. Um, and it, my heart as your pastor is inviting Jesus to meet you right where you are. And that's exactly what he wants to do. That is exactly what he wants to do. But I also wanna say that if there's one thing that Jesus wants to heal in your life this year, it is he, he may not always heal the need that you feel like you, you have, but we, he, he can always heal your perspective. And when there was so many hands that came up like, oh, worst year ever, <clears throat> I wanna invite you to be praying this prayer along with me, that Jesus, would you heal my perspective? That, that I may not see all the goodness of you. I may not see around the corner, but I know you're good. I'm gonna trust you and help me, Lord, to take a next step with you. Even though last year felt like it was hell on earth, I'm gonna choose that, that Lord, I want you to heal my perspective. And that's what this series is, is really all about. When you gotta manage your expectations, when you get into 2024, the truth is a perfect year isn't possible. Worst year, maybe not. Perfect year, that's, that's not gonna happen either. But a better one can be. And a better year starts with your decisions. It starts with deciding. Because the quality of my decisions determine the quality of my life. And as the world spins madly on, it's not that, it's not that boss at your work that just like stresses you out. It's how you think about your boss at work. It's how you decide to respond to your boss at work that stresses you out. It's how you respond to the stress that stresses you out. And, and it's deciding, it's making decisions to kill your options and choose because the quality of your decisions determine the quality of your life. And as you make decisions in your life, those decisions make you. 
This series has been about the power of predecision. If you're taking notes, it's determining the course of action before the moment of decision, before the heat is on, before the going gets tough, you've already predecided. And this has been our formula that when faced with whatever, isolation, hurt, loneliness, rejection, a regret, a rearview mirror situation, a, a, a wound, a habit, a hangup, a holdup, you name it, when faced with anything and everything, I have already decided. And some of you, that is a task for all of us, for the person holding the microphone right now. That is a challenge. It's a chore to pre-decide, isn't it? To like already decide I'm gonna do the right thing. It's hard. But the truth is you've already pre-decided. Many of us have already decided to worry about stuff. We don't even, you don't even think about it. You just immediately, the first response is to worry. You fly off the handle. You don't, you don't consider other angles. You say, oh, what do you mean by that? You know better than God. Now, I know you wouldn't put like a, the, the tattoo on that says, I know better than God and show that one off. Nobody wants to like, you know, say that. But the way we act, when we choose our way over God's way in any way, that's saying we know better than God. And this series is really wanting to drill a little bit deeper into these components of, I've already decided 2024, I'm gonna grow spiritually. I'm gonna be unoffendable. Last week I talked about living unoffended. What does it look like? And, and if you weren't here and, and heard that message, I am so offended. <laughs> no, 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 I, I invite you to go back. I, I feel like it's a key that will unlock some other doors in your life when you can learn to live unoffended when you can learn to step over something instead of falling into that easy trap that the enemy sets. To be a go-giver, not just a go-getter. It's like, man, get that cheese, but, but also like, what does it look like to be a go-giver? We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Next week, we're gonna talk about pursuing God's dream, and that's really what we call Vision Sunday at Timber Creek Church, where we get to celebrate what God did last year. We're looking towards what God wants to do this year. We are in, like we are in labor and delivery, getting ready to launch two new campuses full on. Very exciting stuff going on, and we're gonna be talking about not just vision for the church, but what's God's dream for you? What, what do you wanna look like at the end of 2024? What, in order to have that point of horizon and begin to move that way, let's, let's see what God wants to say about that. Today, though, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into growing spiritually. A lot of things you can do. Are you going to decide this year to grow spiritually? And we're going to go to uh, who I like to refer to as Papa Pete. Papa Pete, Papa Pete, Papa Pete, however you say it, Grandpa Pete. We're talking about Peter, one of the disciples. He was one of the three in the garden that couldn't stay awake, and, and he was one of the three in the garden. I mean, he defended Jesus, cut a dude's ear off. He was rough around the edges. He was a roughneck sailor. He had a mouth on him, and he, he interrupted, and he had his big ideas, and he was really energetic, and times where he did it right, and then other times they're like, yeah, 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 pee, 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 easy. There were times where Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he said, I'll tell you who you are. I'll tell you who you are and whatnot right now. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Holy Spirit told you that. But then there was other times they were walking up the mountain and all of a sudden, supernaturally, Moses and Elijah show up and they're having this conversation with Jesus. It's just like, this is an amazing moment. And Peter like jumps into the whole thing. Hey, y'all, let's build tents up here. Let's do some cool stuff. And the Bible says God himself interrupted Peter. This is my son, listen to him. Like he was just exuberant and kind of got off track a little bit. I love the Bible because it doesn't, cleanse and sterilize these real characters. It shows us they're good, the bad, and the ugly. 
And even though he denied Christ three times, even though he said things he shouldn't have said, even though he tried to add to salvation a little bit older in life, he had to be kind of uh, uh, disciplined by the Apostle Paul. Even though all these things existed, he gives us a couple of the books of the Bible, some letters he wrote to Christians, First and Second Peter, towards the end of the New Testament. And when I read this to you, I don't want you to think of a letter written to somebody else. The word of God is living and active and breathing, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the living word wants to wash over you today. These words are not just to hear. These words are to receive. Peter says it like this in 1 Peter chapter one. Do you want more and more of God's kindness and peace? How many of you'd say, when it comes to my life, I could use more and more of God's kindness and peace? Anybody? Yeah. And if you're like, eh, I'm good. You gotta get rid of your low goals, bro. Like you need more and more of God's kindness and peace. Do you want more of that? I hope so. I do. I want that for you. I want that for my family. I want that for me. But in order to that, you gotta learn to know him better and better. It doesn't happen just like that. It's what we talked about last week, the consistency effect. The consistency effect, write it down, says that it's small things consistently over time lead to big things. Small things going to the gym faithfully every day over time, little things, little things. You don't have to do all the workout in one day. You will just be worn out and sweaty. That's it. You will take a before and after picture. You can spend three hours in the gym before and after. You just look sweaty and tired and just like ran over. But over time, small things consistently over time lead to big things. Hey, 700 calories over what you're, what you're burning every day, small little things over time lead, lead to big belts. I mean, it just does. Small things over time consistently lead to bigger things. It's a process. Commitment gets you to the starting line. This year, I'm committed. Consistency gets you to the finish line. And this is what knowing him better and better is all about. He says, so, as you know him better, the good news is he will give you through his great power, not through your great power, not through your willpower, his great power, he will give you everything you need for living a truly good life. Now, when we think of the good life, if you were to write down the components of a good life, I know you'd write a lot of things down and so would I. And what Peter is saying, through his power, he'll get you everything you need, not everything you want, not everything you think you want, but he will give you everything for what, what God would consider a good life. So, as you know him better, you get everything you need. So here's the question I wanna ask you today. What does that look like? What does it look like to truly know him better and better and better? Peter begins to lay it out for us. And here's what he says. Uh, to obtain those gifts, the gifts of everything you need in life, here's what you do. Like, you need more than faith. Not just to believe, yeah, God can do it. You must also work hard to be good. So like you, you activate, you got two feet in a heartbeat, it's time to like move forward. You, can't, you don't just believe it and that settles it, you've gotta like activate that faith. Faith without works, the book of James says, is, is dead. But even that, he says, is not enough. Just because you have faith and believe and you work really hard, that's not even enough. Because you gotta learn to know God better and discover what he wants you to do. A lot of us are doing a lot of things we want to do and we want God to say, but are we discovering what he wants us to do? And us saying to God, that's what you want, okay. Next, 
Doesn't stop there. Learn to put aside your own desires. It doesn't say you can't have desires. It just says that your desires can't be in the driver's seat. You got to put aside your own desires so that you'll become patient. Oh, man, that's in there. I want to become patient, but it's about time. I'm sick and tired of waiting on it. And godly, gladly letting God have his way. Many of us, you're sadly letting God have his way. And it's meant to be a glad surrender, not a sad surrender. He wants to have his way with you. And that will make possible the next step. It just keeps going. It gets better and better. And that is for you to enjoy other people and to even like them. I mean, that's a big pill to swallow sometimes. To enjoy them and like people. Becky in accounting, she's hard to like. But then finally, you're going to grow to love them deeply. If you want to grow spiritually, okay, Peter says, the more you go on in this way, the more you go on in this way, applying these things, seeing these things develop in your life, the more you will grow strong spiritually and you will become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. He has given us very clear pattern and pathway to walk. But let's push pause for a second. Let's push pause. And I know there's a tension that I deal with as a pastor of a church that takes next steps. And it's this statement The more you go on in this way, now he just gave us several different components. If you were to rewind into those scriptures, he gave us several different things to go on in that way. But there's a tension that we feel in Western Americanized spiritual growth that comes in churches. And here's what it ends up looking like. And and we begin to apply these delivery systems. Think of a train on tracks that have got large boxcars. That train can be on the track, but if there's nothing on the boxcars, it's just a lot of movement. There's not delivery of anything inside the cars. And what can happen is we can fill our life with boxcars that are empty, even in church. Okay, so here's what it looks like. The more you go on in this way, go to church. This is what we've Americanized it to be. Go to church and pray, talk to God, read my Bible, And it's got to be a certain way. I'm going to download the app. And honestly, you're not reading your Bible unless you post about it on Facebook. Just telling you. Get in a group. We we believe in groups. We do groups from Super Bowl Sunday to Christian Super Bowl Sunday, which is Easter. We do them from May Day to Independence Day and Labor Day to Thanksgiving Day. There's three sessions of groups that we do. And starting on Super Bowl Sunday, we'll launch into another season of groups. But you also, we want to serve. Cows move, dogs bark, Christians serve. It just is in our nature. We ought to be serving. We want to invite you to be a part of that. Giving, giving. You can boil the, the Bible down to two words. God gave. The whole gospel, God gave. And he gave the most valuable treasure in heaven for you and for me. He's a giver. And to like moral living, like live according to the word of God. Live a morally right life using the word of God as the moral compass for that life. And all those things, they sound incredible. Go back. They sound incredible. All these things. But the truth is we can do those and do those and do those and do those and do those. Now write this one down. I can be in church for years and years and years and never really grow. You can go to another group. You can even read a scripture. You can talk to God. You can hear another sermon and another sermon becomes a warm cup of water into the ocean, expecting the temperature of the ocean of your life to change because you're missing out on the true components and you're looking at more of the delivery system and the boxcars versus what God wants to add in 
to those things. See, we have misunderstood the essence of Christianity. If I were to give you a three by five card and I were to have you write down, what is the goal of Christianity? I'm not a Christian, I've become a Christian. What is the essence of Christianity? And probably across all of our rooms and all of our services, there would be a whole lot of different things written. So let me help us boil it down and let me start by telling you what it isn't. What isn't the essence of Christianity? If you're taking notes, write it down. It is not about making nasty people nice. Amazing Grace is one of the most popular hymns ever written. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a nasty person like me. I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. But the essence of even that song is not making nasty people nice. Although that's kind of what we want Christianity to be. It's also not about making nice people nicer. Uh, You're already pretty nice. You're not nasty. You're nice. But it's not about making you just a little nicer as a Christian. As a matter of fact, there are two groups of people in this room. Two two groups of people in all of our rooms, okay? And and, and you you know this one. You and I know this one. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no no more. Say no more. I got you. You got me. All right. It's the decent people. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see you. I see you. Decent people, all right? And then the other group is everyone else. And you got the decent people. This is what we like to do with Christianity. Decent people and everyone else. And we are, we're able to describe everyone else, aren't we? Okay, I mean, you know who I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. You're married to them, you know. Okay, no, no, it's, they're rough around the edges. They're difficult to be around. They might even come across as lazy. They can be nasty. They can be wicked. They, they, they can uh, have their kids involved in the exact same sports that you have your kids involved. You share a bleacher with them at the nine under baseball tournament, and you never know what's going to come out of Ronnie's mouth, okay? And I mean, rough around the edges, Na- nasty, wicked. You don't even know what's going to happen. And then you have decent people. They're pretty moral. They take care of their family. This is the coach of the nine under baseball team. Takes care of your kid, tossles his hair, says, go get him, Brett. When, when they do bad, they don't just like, you know, tear them up, but they say, no, no, come on now. You know, they give them good discipline. They tell them where they need to go, but they're never like, like just over the top rude to them and stuff. They believe in them, but they push them. And you know what? They'll have prayer at the dugout, prayer on the mound before or after. Uh, that's pretty cool because that's a fairly religious thing. They're straight shooters, not going to cheat you, not going not to play daddy ball. They're going to let, you know, they're not going to like, make your kid sit the bench and let their kid, who's not as good as your kid, play shortstop when really your kid should be playing shortstop because everybody can see it. Man, I might be having some trauma situations right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And, and, and the truth is, the truth is, this person who's a nice person that we, they can become a new Christian. They, they, they come and visit Timber Creek with you and they, they say, I prayed that prayer. I'd never really in, invited. And, and then they continue to live their life being good morally and taking care of family and being a straight shooter and being fairly religious. And they never really grow. And do you know that Ronnie, who keeps dropping F-bombs on the bleacher at a 9U tournament, he can come to Easter too and he can get saved. And he can become a new Christian. And he can go to the next tournament and not be exactly perfect. And he can still have some issues and be rough around the edges. And he needs to spiritually 
grow. Both of these people deal with sin, their way over God's way in any way. It's just that the coach, he's got respectable sins. And you know what his respectable sin is? His respectable sin is he is such a hard worker. You gotta admire a guy like that. He will go, 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 because he's gotta provide for his family. But the sin is he thinks that he's the provider for his family versus relying on God to be the provider for his family. And he wants everything for his kids. And so he'll sacrifice everything for his kids, but he seeks, he seeks the kingdom of his kids more than he seeks the kingdom of God. But it's a respectable sin because he's, he's a good dad. Now that you got the unrespectable guy over here, Ronnie, who, who knows how late he's gonna be out tonight drinking. And so we got the respectable sins, we got the unrespectable sins, but here's the deal. Both are living for themselves. And what we have done is we have boiled down Christianity to nasty people getting nice, Nice people getting nicer, miss the whole thing. We like sheep, we go astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Do you see that? That's how we go astray. It's not with a respectable sin or an unrespectable sin. It's just we wanna do it our way. So it's not about nice people getting nicer, nasty people getting nice. Here's what it's about, write it down. This is the essence of Christianity. It is about being made new. It is about being born again. The past is done. You're a new creature in Christ. You're covered in Christ. And you start a journey of knowing Jesus better and better. What you can do, though, is to know him better and better, you start going through this, and these are the boxcars, but you miss what Peter said. So what did Peter say to us already that we already read out loud? Peter said, if you wanna really grow and have a good life, starts like this. You got to discover what he wants more than what you want. What does God want of your family? What does he want of your life? What does he want of your finances? What does he want of your attitude? What does he want of your emotions? You got to discover what he wants more than what you want. You got to put aside your own desires. You don't have to be without them, but they can't ride pilot. They can't ride shotgun. You got to be coming patient. Is that, you can be in church for years and years and years and still be as impatient as a baby Christian. It's about gladly letting God have his way, honoring God, giving him the first of everything, your time, your talent, your treasure, your story, like gladly, but that can be hard. Sometimes we begrudgingly give God. It's about enjoying and loving people. And see, notice that you growing spiritually has somewhat to do with just you, but it never ends with just you. It's about you and others. It's the influence you have with other people. It's loving God and loving people. And that is what growing spiritually, you can engage these things. But this has gotta be the why. That can't be the why just because you're just gonna do good stuff. This is the why. I wanna get in a group because it will be a way that I can discover what he wants. I will take next steps and serve because that is gladly letting God have his way and me putting his service of his kingdom before my kingdom and enjoying and loving people. I'm gonna learn how to do those things. But this is the delivery system, but this is, this is, the, this is the guts of it. This is the guts of it. And my concern for all of us, including me who grew up in the church, 
is that I checked all the boxes. I didn't grow. I didn't grow. So the more you go on in this way, though, the more you go on in this way, the promise is you will grow strong spiritually. So whether you are a decent person in the house or everyone else in the house, all right, whether you're decent or not, whether you're nasty and nice, nice and nicer, it don't matter. I just want to leave you with a few components of spiritual growth. You can decide today that I'm going to engage consistency and I may not get tomorrow where I want to be, but I'm not going to stay where I am. What would it look like? Christian, you've been here. I've been here 19 years on this staff. August will be 10 years as the lead pastor of Timber Creek Church. And do you know that there are some things that Janet was telling me I need to get better at 19 years ago that I haven't gotten better at. There's some other things I have gotten better at. There are some things that I've gotten better at. And then there's some other stuff. Blah, blah, blah. But can I just say something to you? I know some of you for 19 years too. And then some of you, you've been in every single group. You've been serving. You've been opening doors. You've been giving your tithe. And you're still a jerk. You are. You are. It's time to grow. It's time to set aside. It's time to put that in the rear view. It's time to become more and more like Jesus, to know him better and better. So let me encourage you with these five thoughts. Number one, spiritual growth is possible. When you invite Jesus to your life, you're not just inviting Tony Robbins into your life. You're not inviting a self-help guru. You're not inviting someone who gives you a philosophy of peace. You invite peace into your life. Peace is a person, not a philosophy. Joy is a person. Love is a person. Patience is the person of Jesus. And when you invite him in and you become more like him, the, the response of planting that seed in your heart is that the limbs of your life grow that kind of fruit for other people and for you and your family. And it's possible. And some of you think you punch the Christian card, but God would never grow me because of what I've done. Stop it. If Paul, Paul, Peter can give us these words. He can reach in and give you a fresh, made new. And you can know him more and more. It's possible. Number two, spiritual growth is necessary. It's not an option. You know, you may have said, uh, anybody ever heard of the fruits of the spirit? Fruits of the spirit? Just raise your hand if you heard of the fruits of the spirit. I'm even saying it wrong. I'm saying it wrong. Here's what it is, fruit of the spirit. In the Bible, it doesn't call it the fruits of the spirit. You raise your hand, it's okay, because that's a common deal. It's like saying the book of Revelations. It's only one revelation. It's revelation. It's not just not several. But that's just like pastor grammar, you know, being anal. Okay. Oh, revelations. I'm not listening to them then. They must not be growing spiritually. <laughs> Here's the deal with fruits of the spirit. Fruits, you get to choose one or the other. Fruit of the spirit, it's all one thing. You don't get to pick and choose. I'm gonna be loving. But that whole patience thing, that ain't for me. I'm going to pass on the pineapple of patience. <laughs> okay, I'll take the kiwi of kindness. No, you take the, what am I talking? You take the fruit of the Spirit. It's all there. It's necessary. Later on, Peter will say it like this. Anyone who fails to go after these additions to your faith, you're blind indeed. 
or at least very short-sighted. I am 100% blind in my left eye. My optic nerve did not fully develop in the womb and uh, my optic nerve fizzled out my pituitary gland so that when I grew up, I had a, a growth hormone deficiency. I could not grow. In, at 12 years old, I had the bone structure of a six-year-old. In sixth grade, I was three foot six and 62 pounds. Some of you have had babies that were three foot six and 62 pounds, okay? Like tiny, and, and, and my body just couldn't produce the hormone it needed. And because my blind eye, um, I was short-sighted. My depth of perception had to, to work on it. For several years, up until third or fourth grade, my eye was pretty heavily crossed inward. By the way, some people say, you're blind in your left eye. What can you see out of it? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Okay, well, close your eye. How many fingers am I holding up? I'm blind. I could lie and tell you three, you know? And they say, well, yeah, but, but what do you see, though? I mean, what do you see? I say, okay, what do you see out of your elbow? That's what I see out of that eye. Whatever you see out of your elbow, that's what I see out of the eye. Moving on. Um, Cross-eyed, super short, <laughs> lady killer. <laughs> nah. So I grew up not only with the cross-eyed and with the growth hormone deficiency, but some major insecurities. And I got short-sighted on what was most important in my life. I can't see 3D movies. You put on the glasses, I can't see it. My kids will be like, whoa, did you see that? I'm like, no, why even pay the money? Yeah. Spiritual growth is necessary because it gives you a depth. See, here's the deal. Some of you said it's the worst year ever. It's because you haven't had enough time to experience space with Jesus. So everything is so close and everything is so one-dimensional that when God is good, everything's good. When God is bad, God is dead. When things don't go the way you wanted, I quit, I'm done, I'm out of here. Because you haven't had the time to see the depth of who he is and how he lives and moves and has his way in different ways depending upon what we're going through. Spiritual growth is necessary so you can see the multi-dimensional realities of a loving God. It's necessary, keep growing. Number three, spiritual growth is organic. Now, this whole organic ticks me off because, like, as a leader, as a leader, when people say, we just need to let groups be organic, you know, people just need to kind of choose where they want to go, you know, we don't have to have a sign up, let's just let it be organic. Let's just let the, let's just let the service just flow. Let's just let it be organic. You would not say to a farmer that's, plant, that's doing organic crops, they don't sit on the, on the top of the hill and just like, you know, when it comes to this harvest, I just want it to be organic. No, they got to plow lines, they got to plant seed, they got to water, they got to harvest, they got to be very strategic. The only thing organic needs is pesticide-free. You're not spraying it with chemicals. It's, it's pure, okay? Spiritual growth is organic. If I had a pile of rocks, can I organically grow those rocks? No. I can grow the pile of rocks. You know how I grow the pile of rocks? I take a rock from here and I put it on the pile. And if I put a rock here and put it on the pile, put a rock here, put it on the pile, I can grow the pile of rocks. And that's what I did for a lot of my life as a Christian is I added stuff to do, go to Bible college, learn how to preach, okay? Um, 
get a degree, uh, be a youth pastor, okay? Being a youth pastor doesn't make you spiritually grow. Being a pastor doesn't mean you spiritually grow. Being a leader of a group doesn't make you spiritually grow. And what can happen in church is we get real spiritually busy building more rocks. And do you know people will leave this church a lot say, you don't offer enough for us to do. And they're the same person they've been three years, whether I offer 17 more things for them to do or not. Because what we want is we want another pile of rock to put onto the, a rock to put on the other pile. But a leaf requires the sun and it requires the water and it requires the care. This is a greenhouse. This is a quarry. And God wants to, to nurture you a step at a time, organically pour into you and you grow in this greenhouse of his grace. It's organic like that. Do not think being spiritually busy piling rocks equates to spiritual growth. Number four, it's, it's observable. If you've been saying, oh yeah, man, I'm really growing, but nobody knows it except you, chances are you're not. <laughs> chances are you're not. Dad's. Spouses, let me talk to you for a second. Okay. Hi, Shane. Today, at some point, ask your wife, am I growing spiritually? Ask the question. Now, you're already thinking what she might say, right? You're already thinking, what might she say? So instead of even asking her, go to God. God, am I growing spiritually? And don't be condemned at what he says because he's not, he's not gonna say, it's about time you come to me, son. Now he says, oh, let's have a talk. And he wants to invite you into more and more spiritual growth. I need to do the exact same thing today. If you do it, I'll do it. Deal? We'll ask God those things. Then we'll ask our wives and we'll kind of listen, but if it doesn't really line up, we're like, what do they know? But we'll do it. Who, who's observing you? Who are you observing who are you becoming like? Okay, finally, spiritual growth is gradual. It doesn't just, here's the good news, salvation, instant. Though your sin is like crimson, white as snow. It is, a, it is received, not achieved. Salvation is received as a gift. It is not achieved through your works. It is instant. And if you walked into one of our rooms today, and you don't know Jesus, and you want him to be your Lord and Savior, at the end of this message, like that, he can become your Savior. You can be saved like that today. Spiritual growth will be gradual. Spiritual growth is gradual. Even the Apostle John says, I'm writing to you who are God's children. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith. And we all are growing like that. I love the picture that he's not trying to build us as quarry, like stacking the rocks. He's, he's growing us like kiddos because we're sons and daughters of a king. And so I want to leave you with three stages of spiritual growth that all of us have experienced. Some of us have experienced maybe the very first one. We haven't quite experienced the next one. That's okay. You're saved, you're saved. If you're saved, you're saved. But there's growing that happens. Let's talk about the first one. It's, it's the stage of childhood. It's the beginning. Okay. I have been responsible for two children entering this world. I am the biological father of two amazing kids. 
my first wife, Janet, my only wife, Janet, but also my first wife, um, she gave birth to two beautiful kids that are now 20 years old and 15 years old. Both were uh, delivered cesarean. One of them, when the doctor pulled one of them from the womb, the very next moment, this baby started going, forever, nonstop, wouldn't cry. Like it was cute for a moment. Oh, it's our baby. <laughs> you know, I'm there next to Janet. And, and, and then the nurses are kind of laughing, the doctor. And the doctor's like, man, he, he's got some lungs. And just, ah, 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 they roll him into the, in, you know, into the other room, like the whole carnival show. You're looking through the window, and he's there, and all these other cute, beautiful, quiet babies. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And that really defined, like, the last 15 years of his life, to be honest. On the other hand, our firstborn, our daughter, she was cesarean, and, and when the doctor began to pull her from the womb, I remember standing there, um, there was a sheet between Janet and the doctor doing the business, and, and I was going between the, like this, and I was like, it's okay, it's okay, okay, oh, I see hair, I see hair, I see, I see her hair coming out, oh my God, oh, her eyes are wide, oh, oh my God, here she is, it's our girl, and she literally came out like this, like eyes, just like, she might have, <laughs> she came out, and she's just like, and they weighed her, and she went, <laughs> cold. And like, I've got pictures of her like six minutes after she was washed off, you know, and I'm through the window, and I'm showing grandma and grandpa uh, their, their grandbaby, through, and she's just like this. I mean, she might as well have just said, what's up, guys? You need me to clean the microwave? You know, here, I'm here. Let me make myself useful. And it's kind of been that way ever since. Like, she's just been that kind of daughter. Here's the truth. Both were babies. Both need to be fed. Both need to be changed. Both came into this world completely very similar and yet responded very differently. So when it comes to childhood, there are those that receive Christ and they become a doubtful new Christian. And they're investigating the claims of Christ and they walk in and it's a little overwhelming a service, people raising their hands or worshiping loud, and they maybe they grew up around church, but they've made a decision to follow Christ, but that's not what they're used to, and they, they kind of want to take it easy. They just kind of want to walk in, right? I mean, they, they're just kind of investigating. They're just kind of eyes wide open. Then there are those that they are crazy, excited, caffeinated new Christians, and they get saved, and they come into a service, and they're like, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah. ha. I mean, they can't wait. I mean, they're just like, whoo, let's go. Starting point, yes. Surf team, yes. Groups, sure. Giving, I would love to give 10%. I know some of you chuckle, but it is true. And, and, and so the person who's doubtful sees the super caffeinated new Christian, and they're like, easy. Like, let's have a little honor and respect, okay? And the caffeinated super baby Christian that's super excited, they're like, can't you like, you know, I mean, shouldn't you shout to the Lord and be excited and do all these things? And both are babies. Both are babies. They just have different personalities. Both need to be fed. Both need to grow. Here's the deal. The common theme for both of them is they're looking for connection with God. That's true. That's why some of you, you don't even get it, but you'll walk into a worship service and you normally don't do this, but you, your eyes tear up and you cry. 
You'll come into service. And it's not you being emotional. There's something spiritual happening. But you don't even really know how to respond. And the person next to you, they've been the same, they've been a Christian for the same amount of time. And they're like this. You're like, I don't, I don't know. I can't get there right now. It's okay. You're growing. You need a connection with God. And here's what every baby needs to do. Cling and cry and feed and grow. And cling and cry and feed and grow. And cling and cry and feed and grow. That's what kids do. Now you grow from there into adolescence. And here's what happens. Babies, when a baby cries, especially if it's something necessary, they're communicating something to you. It's like, oh, baby, what's wrong? Come here, come here, I got you. Daddy's little baby. Daddy's little baby. Try and soothe that hurt tummy or daddy's little stinky baby. Got to change a diaper. Got to feed them. Got to kiss a boo-boo. When a baby cries, you understand, okay? Even two or three-year-old, <laughs> I want ice cream. I want ice cream. And you're like, hey, I know, but you're just tired right now. You're tired. And you give them a little grace, Okay, you never have an ice cream again. Shut up and get in the car. I can't. I, I'm in a seatbelt. Like, I, I don't even get myself in the car. Like, but let's move on. When a 12-year-old cries, I want ice cream. You're like, grow up, bro. Grow up. You're not going to cry over ice cream. Come on. See, some people, they want for their whole life to be babied by Jesus. And then they go through some seasons of life where it's time to grow up a little bit. See, a baby says, it's cold, it's snowing, it's scary. And you're saying, you know, sometimes it snows, baby. And you don't understand it. You don't get it. It's scary, the storm, okay? But then when you're an adolescent, you're like, oh, it's snowing, it's winter. I didn't know. I thought that it never rained on Christians. I thought it never snowed in Christians' life. I thought they never dealt with busted pipes in their heart. And that's when, like, as you grow up, it's like, it's snowing because it's January. You have to understand that the common theme here, that it's time to grow up, that the common theme is it's learning seasons with God. That as you're growing, when it rains on the just and the unjust, when it snows and when it freezes, you're learning, oh, oh, God isn't forsaking me. I'm just going through a season right now, and he's going to help me through this, and there's something that's going to happen with The leaves falling doesn't mean I'm dying. It means I'm going through a season. And my roots are going to get deeper in here. I know it. And finally, we get to the mature person. And guess what? That person hasn't arrived either. But here's what they are seeing as they're growing. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's just being obedient in the same direction. You begin to recognize the seasons of life. You don't freak out when it's January and snow and ice is in the air. It's like, oh, I've been through this before. This isn't my first rodeo. And you're able to help other people that haven't seen snow go through it too. You didn't know how to wrap your pipes. You needed someone that had been there that knew how to wrap them. And then you become that person that helps someone else. Because the common theme is that you're looking for God and you're saying, what's next, God? I'm not gonna get derailed by the winter. I'm not going to get so sucked into all the summer beautiful time either. What's next, God? What's next? That is spiritual growth. And I end with this story. 
12 years old, my brother was eight, my sister was five. We took a three week vacation from Kansas to California. We were gonna go to Disneyland. But on the way, we were gonna stop at all these other places. One of the most memorable experiences I've ever had, as I still remember it 32 years later. And we started in Kansas. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home when your first stop is Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oral Roberts University to take a picture at the praying hands, bless God. <laughs> but we went, I mean, Tulsa and uh, uh, I mean, Grand Canyon, everywhere. Um, a few years ago, we found the video. My dad would wear like a suitcase, like a carry-on suitcase size camcorder with us on vacation. And he had this habit, he just loved history so much that he would record as many plaques. And he, I mean, he had tapes on tapes on tapes of this California vacation. And we sat down as a family one Thanksgiving, we, we started watching through just to remember these, it was so fun. It was, it was a miracle of God to even find a VCR these days though. Found the VCR, watched the deal, so cool. And here's, here's what happened. There was this scene, I'm 12, Jared's eight, Lacey's five. And my dad's got the camcorder and he's filming something on a wall. It's this information about some war that happened on this hill. And uh, I wasn't a history buff apparently. And you can see my feet and Jared's feet on top of the wall and we're dancing. And you can hear me and Jared saying, dad, look, get this, get this on camera. And my dad says, my dad says, cut it out guys, I'm trying to get this. And in that living room, my dad paused the video. And he said, I, I can't watch another minute. He said, oh, kids, I'm sorry. I was making the wrong thing the thing. I should have been recording you and your dance moves and I was recording some stupid plaque. And I had to come to a point in my own life where I recognized that for me in my life and even as a Christian, I was doing the wrong things. I was piling rocks. We said, dad, it's okay. We all, we all reserve the right to grow, you know? And we continued to watch. And we got to the petrified forest. It's where wood becomes rock. Mind-blowing. As we're in the petrified forest, there was this trail that went up the way, and there was a sign. My dad, you can hear him on the camera again, with a little bit more grace in our hearts. He says, Jared, go run up there and see what that sign says. And so Jared, eight years old, runs up to the sign, you know. He's like, what does it say? He goes, what is it? What does he say? louder son and he finally yelled so loud he said the sign says please stay on trail that was it so friends faced with knowing Jesus better you could try and fix yesterday does no good he'll wash it away <sighs> last year's tough year it's okay Today, his mercy is new every morning. What do you gotta do? You gotta decide today. 
Decide mom, decide dad is for me and my house. Decide teenager, decide young adult, decide grandma and grandpa as for me and my house. We gonna stay on the trail. We're gonna stay on the trail. We're gonna take one next step and people who wanna change have to take a next step. And it's not about that trail, this trail, the other trail. I am gonna grow spiritually this year. And as I engage, as I get with other people, as iron sharpens iron, I'm not just piling rocks. I'm discovering who he wants me to be. All locations, would you close your eyes and let's pray. Some of you, this is, this, is, this is what you need for this year. It's time, it's time to decide. There are others of you in this room, in all of our rooms, you've, you've not taken the first step and that is to surrender your life to Jesus. First time or a fresh time, if that's you, You'd simply say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you. Thank you for not being mad at me. Thank you for giving me this moment to start becoming more like you. I want more of your kindness and your peace. For everybody in the room, the decent people and everyone else, all of us sinners saved by grace, there are those of us that you've gotten off the trail. Maybe you're like me and you made the not main thing, the main thing, he loves you. He embraces you. Lean into him. Stay on the trail. We ask all this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen.